As the Israeli Defense Forces respond to Hamas's attack on Israel, and with Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu stating that the country is preparing for a long and difficult war, I'm in our London Assistance Centre, joined by International SOS's Security Director for Assistance, Paul Doucette, and our Security Director for Information and Analysis, Adam Lakhani. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. And in this episode, we'll also be hearing from my colleague in Jerusalem. Hi, this is Benedict for International SOS, currently on the ground in Israel to support our clients in the current situation. But first, let's start with you, Paul, and talk to you about our travel advice. Tell me, how's that evolved over the last few days? So once the Hamas attack into Israel took place, we advised against all travel into the country. This was sensible at the time because the situation was incredibly uncertain. The level of violence was quite high and where the rocket attacks would strike, including where the Hamas fighters were active, remained a bit opaque and unclear. So out of an abundance of caution, we wanted to dissuade anyone from traveling into the country because of the risks that they would face while they were in the country. Since then, the situation inside most of Israel has stabilized quite a bit. There's still some areas near Gaza and within the West Bank that are certainly volatile or subject to lockdown by the Israeli authorities. Because of that, we are not encouraging people to go into Israel for non-essential purposes. But what we are saying is that the situation is stabilized to an extent that if you have essential travel into the country, that's business critical for what you do, um, that it is possible to go in with a series of precautions that we would recommend. What do we mean when we talk about essential travel? So essential travel is really something that is up to the determination of every organization to make a decision for themselves. It's not for us to decide what is essential to someone else. For example, some people may take that essential travel to mean if it's to, to visit family members who might be in danger, to them that might be considered essential. To another it might be only business critical travel for reasons that are time critical and are required for the functioning of their business or their business continuity. Say, for example, to keep a power station running and there's an expert who must go in there and only they have the right expertise to perform a certain function that might be considered business critical, in which case we would say at this point, into Israel proper, most of Israel, that that type of travel should be able to go ahead with a list of precautions that we provided in our travel advice. And can you give me an idea about the decisions that we take when formulating the travel advice and advice for those in country as well? Sure. So we look at the prevailing risks very carefully, meaning what is the trending, what is the current state of play in the crisis, as well as an assessment of the actors and what they're capable of doing at the moment. So as, in addition to that, the local authority's ability to provide security, provide a response capability in an environment. So on a normal day in the city of Tel Aviv, the, the major city, the major business center of Israel, uh, the situation is fairly stable. Things can always happen there, but it's a city where the authorities maintain a good level of control. Response to any incident that does happen is robust and rapid. So it's a classic low to medium type of risk environment. So things have changed a bit. There's a lot more tension. The Israeli authorities have provided a lot more security. People are certainly frightened about what may happen next, but the situation is much calmer than it was on the weekend. Now, Paul, I want to talk to you about our support capabilities, but before we do, Let's hear now from International SOS Security Manager Benedict Zimmerman, who's deployed to Israel for us and is part of an incident management team there. So Ben, I know you've just recently arrived in the country, but what have you been able to do so far? I'm right now in Jerusalem, where we've verified the status of the roads, the general security environment, and any obstructions to the logistics 
that our clients may face both for operating in the current situation and for any movements towards the airport. We've seen that the roads are clear. The uh, authorities have urged people to stay at home and this is widely adhered to. Traffic levels are very low. Only a few people are out and about on the street and there is a notable security force presence. There's very little traffic and the access to the airport is not obstructed by any additional obstacles. Okay, thanks Ben. And we hope to be hearing more from you in future podcasts as the situation evolves. So back to you, Paul. Tell me, if a client were to need support, what can we do to help them? So we're working with five vetted credentialed security partners on the ground, all of whom have very good capabilities to provide different types of vehicles, different types of transport options, and to reach almost every part of Israel. So other than the parts that are blockaded by the IDF, uh, we have good capability to reach into the West Bank, to reach the far north of Israel, down into the far south. The majority of movements that we've been doing recently have been taking people from various parts of the country into Ben-Gurion Airport to catch flights. And we've also worked with charter aviation companies to charter flights and we've been filling those flights with different clients uh, who require our support. So a lot of those ground transportation movements are timed so that people arrive at the airport in time to catch a charter flight or a commercial flight that they've booked for themselves. In addition to that, we're also in contact with maritime providers to look at options for transporting people by a vessel to Cyprus. That has not yet needed to happen because there's still enough aviation capability and the airspace is still open, but that hasn't been um, something we've had to do yet. Thanks very much, Paul. Now, let's get an update on the security situation from International SOS's Security Director for Information and Analysis, Adam Lakani. And Adam, can you tell me what's changed since Saturday the 7th of October? And are people safe in areas like Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, Ramallah and Ashdod, for example? Thanks very much, Chris. So, risks in these areas are far lower than in areas of Israel's southern district, close to the Gaza Strip. No Palestinian militant incursions have been reported in these locations. Instead, the risk to life in these locations stems from rocket fire. Whilst rocket fire has been intense, Rockets are generally inaccurate and prone to interception by Israel's air defense systems. This can be mitigated by following air raid siren protocols and guidance on what to do in such an event. This kind of guidance can be found on Israel's home front command website. Under no circumstances should people attempt to undertake any travel during rocket fire as this will drastically increase their risk exposure. So Adam, we've, we've raised our advice to stand by, so should people consider an evacuation? Not necessarily, Chris. Us raising the evacuation monitor level to stand by means that an evacuation might be required imminently and evacuation arrangements should begin. Should you wish to evacuate, then you should do so if you feel unsafe. But this change in evacuation monitor level does not mean that you must evacuate. All information we are receiving continues to indicate that an Israeli ground invasion of Gaza is a likely response. If this takes place, it will broadly elevate the threat environment across the country, and this will simultaneously amplify the risk of a broader regional conflict, at which time we assess this to be low in likelihood, but of course will be very high in impact. This change in level that we implemented was 72 hours after the attack, when it became clear that the IDF was still working to contain the situation and about 300,000 troops had been mobilized. In addition to this, we were seeing exchanges of mortar and rocket fire up in the north with Hezbollah. This combination of independent, although linked events, 
informed our decision-making process. So when would we consider changing our advice from standby to maybe evacuate non-essential workforce? So whilst we're not prescribing a specific set of events that must be met, we are monitoring a number of tripwires that may indicate a further worsening of the situation within Israel. These include persistent and high-volume rocket attacks from Gaza into Israeli urban centres that are not fully intercepted by Israeli air defence systems. The launch of long-range precision-guided missiles by the Lebanon-based Hezbollah group into Israel. Such an event in this case would lead to a short-notice closure of Israeli airspace. Further repeated Hamas-led incursions from Gaza into Israel and associated attacks on civilians. Several high-impact simultaneous or coordinated attacks in Israel on population centres, the expansion of conflict to additional fronts, including along shared borders with Lebanon and the West Bank, and the US or Western intelligence agencies warning of a forthcoming Iranian attack on Israel. So in light of the escalation, does international SOS intend to increase Israel's medium security risk rating? No. At the moment, we are not intending to change Israel's risk rating. The current medium risk rating factors in the potential for short-notice, high-impact escalations. The security environment is otherwise characterised by more sporadic security incidents with shorter-term impact on personnel. Our assessment is also influenced by the state's capability to respond to quickly contain these threats. So further to this, International SOS's security risk ratings are designed to serve as medium to long-term projections of a territory's security environment. This is for the purpose of enabling strategic-level decision-making. For immediate-term decision-making and adjusting travel plans, we would recommend clients refer to International SOS's alerting and attendant travel advice, as well as the evacuation monitor level, which we have recently raised to standby for Israel. International SOS's security analysts will continue to monitor the escalation and re-evaluate Israel's risk rating as the implications for the country's medium to long-term security outlook become clearer. Finally, Adam, can you tell me what's our current outlook for the situation? Absolutely, Chris. So, while the conclusion of operations against Hamas fighters who had earlier infiltrated Israel marks a significant milestone in Israel's response to the situation, serious challenges do remain. There is potential for a further deterioration in the security environment. Israel has promised an unprecedented response and there is a high likelihood, given the scale of the attack in Israel, that this will involve the deployment of IDF military units inside the Gaza Strip. Within Israel and the West Bank, such a deployment would increase the risk of attacks. Additional flare-ups are possible in areas of the West Bank where Israeli and Palestinian civilians interact, such as around Israeli settlements. Such an operation would also increase risks from unrest in Israel and the West Bank. Should Israel decide to deploy military units into the Gaza Strip, there is also the risk that Hezbollah will conduct further attacks. In the event of a widening of the present conflict, this could entail firing large volumes of rockets or mortars. However, the likelihood of such a large-scale conflict with Lebanon remains low. On the 7th of October, Hezbollah's leader Hassan Nasrallah said that the group was assessing the situation. Later, on the 9th of October, Lebanon's foreign minister indicated that he had received assurances from Hezbollah that the group will not join the fighting unless Israel harasses Lebanon. OK, thanks very much, Adam. And to Paul and Benedict as well for all your analysis and advice about the current situation.
Well, that's all for now. You'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on the situation in Israel and the Palestinian territories from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.